Alrighty, boys and girls, please make sure you have your children's bulletin with you. You have your own translation in there, a place where you can also ask questions if you have any. Please make sure you write your name on those when you turn them in. If you have questions for me or uh, Pastor John Mark, so we know who to answer with those. And today's the day. Some of you have been waiting for this day. We are finally finishing up the book of Philippians. We'll be done after this Sunday, and we're going to start a, a great new series. Excited about this uh, on the Psalms of Ascent. We'll be in that uh, from now until Advent, that collection of 15 psalms about going up and worshiping in the very presence of God or looking forward to taking you through that journey together. But now as we go to God's Word, let's first turn to God together in prayer. Father God, we come before your word today. We ask that you would once again come and condescend to us and open us up to your word and open this word up to us by your spirit. Do your surgery. Make us more like Christ. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we finish up Philippians, we'll be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. And as you're turning there, it's printed for you in toto uh, in the ESV translation in your bulletin. So I want to tell you, to get, get you in the mindset of this text today, is that I'm a big fan of the detective story. I love detective stories, like Dashiell Hammett stuff, you know, like Maltese Falcon. Love that stuff. Sherlock Holmes, of course, love Sherlock Holmes. I remember as a sixth grader being introduced to the Encyclopedia Brown books. Love those books. And I love cop shows that are good mysteries. And, you know, what's interesting is that as you look at mystery and detective stories from different genres to movies to books to different time periods, it's interesting how it tends to all come down to money. It's always about the money. You find out who profits from this crime, and you typically find out who did the crime. It's kind of similar to our culture where it's all about the money, right? Famous Jerry Maguire line, show me the money, that's us. Well, perhaps maybe at least in church we can be free of that. Maybe in, in the New Testament we can be free of money being the central theme, but unfortunately the Bible has a lot to say about money if you're looking for a respite from money talk. And as Paul wraps up his letter to the Philippian church today, we're going to see that, well, sometimes actually it is about the money. And today is definitely about the money. So as Paul's wrapping up this letter, he's exhorted them not to be anxious, if you remember that. Instead, he's encouraged them to take all of their troubles, all of their woes to God in prayer. Say, really honestly lay out your situations before God and ask Him to do something about it. Take those anxiety-causing things to Him and trust that His peace will then come. He then demonstrated how he himself has done that, how he's living in peace by being content with what he has and where he is. Even in prison, Paul's trusting God's provision and plan for his life. Paul was able to do this because, as we saw last week, he found and he gives the secret to contentment. The secret is resting in the power of Jesus for the ability to be content. And so now, remember, the reason he wrote this letter, one of the reasons was he has received a very large financial gift from them. And all that talk about being content and being happy and everything's good could seem as if he's ungrateful, as if he didn't need that gift after all. And so he writes to give them an accounting of the money and to give, help them put their giving in proper perspective. And then he wants to say goodbye. 
I think it's very interesting how he's waited to the very end of the letter to bring up the money, which kind of started the whole thing and why he's writing. But that's, that's good. He covered all this other stuff first. So would you please look with me? Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. This is God's word. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is God's Word. So the theme today, where we're going to go, maybe you can remember this, you want to talk about what the sermon was about after lunch or perhaps later on the week in family worship. Here's what we're going to talk about today. When we're on the Gospels team, we worship honestly and we are blessed in God's glorious grace. When we're on the gospel's team, we worship God honestly and are blessed in God's glorious grace. Because when content Christians support gospel ministry as part of worship, they are blessed by God's glorious grace. Let's see that today. Let's jump into this. First thing we see is content Christians support the gospel. So Epaphroditus, the pastor of this Philippian church, he shows up in Rome to Paul's prison and he has a substantial gift for Paul. If you remember, as we talked about before, and for, we call them white-collar crimes today. For white-collar crimes, you got to be put under house arrest in Rome, either an official apartment for that, or you had to find your own place. But you had to pay for it. You couldn't leave, but you had to pay for it. In some cases, you had to pay for your guards to be there as well. So, and you're in prison, you can't earn any money, so it, it puts you in a difficult situation. So Paul needs money. And this church in Philippi supports Paul, the prisoner. And so one of the reasons he writes them is to thank them for the money and to give them an accounting for it. Now, people like us, we're very uncomfortable talking about money, especially in a church context. I know. And so I want to do a little caveat. If you would, those of you who have your bulletin, would you take your bulletin out? And would you please turn, let's see, where is that? Would you turn to the very last page? And would you please look at the giving statement there, the second to the last page at the bottom, about what we need every week and what we received last week. Let you know, we're not doing this because the church is desperate for funds. We're not doing this because we're doing the math and our Christmas bonuses are in jeopardy. None of that is happening right now. God is surpassing the needs of this church. But this is where the text takes us. And we need to be very honest about our money when it comes to our faith. And so we're going to look at that today. So with that little caveat... We've got to let Paul guide us in this discussion of money. Paul so far has modeled contentment. He is content by the power of Jesus Christ, he says, even though he's in a a prison cell. He's got this wonderful gift, and he says, I am content, but that does not mean that the rent's still not due on the first. 
Contentment is not ignoring financial responsibility. Nor does contentment mean not supporting the gospel either. And you can kind of see how they or we might try to come to that conclusion. Well, you know, we're not supposed to be anxious. We're supposed to be content. If I give money to the church, I might not have enough for my stuff. And that would cause me anxiety. That would cause me discontentment. God doesn't want me to be discontent, so I shouldn't give any money to the church. You can see how they might do that. And Paul writes and says, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Look with me at verse 14, where Paul says, what does he say to them? He says, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Paul says their support was kind. It's actually the word for beautiful. Isn't that a great thought? Paul says, it was beautiful for you to share in my trouble, to partake with me, to be in fellowship with me in my trouble. It was a beautiful thing, Paul says, for you to come and see this financial burden and literally to pick it up and help me carry it. Thank you. That's a beautiful thing. And why would they do that? Why would this church send money to a prisoner? Well, verse 15, Paul tells us, says, look, you entered into partnership with me. It's a business term. We're all in this gospel project together, Paul tells them. Dear flock, did you hear that? We don't just send checks to missionaries. We're in partnership with the gospel all across the planet. We just prayed for our partners working outside of Paris this morning. And we support the work all across the globe. We support work right here at home. We support work planting new churches in Orangeburg. We support work planting new churches in South Carolina. We support work right here because we're partnering with the gospel. And as we do that, and as we see God still takes care of us financially, we will grow in contentment. We will grow out of being less anxious and be able to let go of that financial anxiety because we see, wow, I can support this and God still takes care of me. Contentment grows from our giving to the gospel, not our hoarding our money for a what if we can handle. Oh, oh, I won't have any anxiety because I know no matter what happens, I can write a check to cover it. That's not biblical contentment. Biblical contentment comes from giving and trusting in God. This is where, if you remember from last week, we apply verse 13. As you sit down on payday to write that check, and as the voice of anxiety comes inside of you every week in fear and starts screaming all the what-ifs in your life that you, so you shouldn't write that check to the church, that's when you quote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because that's where Paul says you need to use it in that situation. Because content Christians support the gospel. How we use our money reveals our heart. Do we trust God? See, Paul wants to be clear, it's not all about the money. It's about deeper things than that. Look with me at verse 17. That's what Paul says. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is talking like a financial planner there in verse 17. He wants him to understand, look, y'all didn't just give that money away. You've invested that in God's kingdom. That investment will grow in your life. You will experience a payoff from that giving. Remember, they were a poor church. And you can imagine all sorts of anxious thoughts coming up in their lives as they watch Epaphroditus walk away with that sack full of coins. All sorts of what-ifs that they could have used that money for. 
But Paul assures them they haven't lost resources. They have deposited those resources with the Creator who will give them a good return on their investment. They can rest assured. They can let anxiety go and be content by the power of Jesus because God will bless them for supporting gospel ministry. He says it that strongly. God will bless you for supporting. Boys and girls, we've been talking about money here. I want you to look with me at your verse 17. Here's what Paul is talking about to this church. Paul says this. He says, it's not about the money, but about God blessing you for supporting the gospel. You see, boys and girls, it's about trusting God. When we give God part of our money, we are telling God that we trust you to take care of us. You should, boys and girls, be giving part of your money back to God and to, for, to support the work of the gospel, and He will bless you. Adults, do you want to be content in your finances? Start regularly giving to the church. God will bless you. Trust Him. Because content Christians do support the gospel. Because when we're on the gospel's team, we worship God honestly. And we're blessed by God's glorious grace. The next thing Paul shows us here is that gospel support is worship. It's just part of our culture. We can't help ourselves, but we tend, to, we tend to separate, don't we, the spiritual from the practical in our lives and make those two separate categories. And we tend to put giving financially to the church, very often we put it into the practical aspect. I mean, that, of course, there's electricity and there's air conditioning and there's salaries, and that's all practical concerns. So, yeah, I guess we got, you know, if we want this thing, we've got to give money to the church. But the Bible does not make that separation between our giving and our spiritual act of worship. How we use our money reflects the spiritual reality of our heart. That's why even though it would be incredibly easy, because we're, we're revamping our website right now, it would be so easy to just add a little, little thing on there where we could have a credit card giving. Just click on the website, and it, it, would you like us to repeat that every month? Click, done, you don't have to think about it. It's so easy to do that. It'd be so easy to put a lockbox right there at the back of the church. As you leave, just give your money. But we don't do that. You know why? Because giving money is part of worship. Giving of the fruit of your labor is part of our worship that God commands in Scripture. He receives it as worship. Look with me at verse 18, how clear Paul makes this. Look what Paul says. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. See, verse 18, Paul gives them a very quick receipt. Yeah, I got your money. It's more than I need. Actually, he says, I have enough to spare. Then he gets to the heart of the second part of verse 18 there. Look, it's, it's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That is unmistakable Old Testament language for the worship of God. And then Paul himself in another book in Ephesians chapter 5, he says the sacrificial death of Jesus was, quote, a fragrant offering unto God. Paul says our monetary gifts, the things we give to support gospel ministry, are valuable sacrifices described in the same way as Christ's sacrifice? Is Paul crazy? Have you thought about that? 
God's word says our financial gifts are worship. They're a sacrifice unto God that is pleasing and acceptable to him. What an amazing thought. 400 years ago, a French pastor by the name of Jean Daly, I found this great quote he wrote about this. I just had to share it with you. Here's what he says about this idea that Paul says. He says, what can we desire more magnificent, more glorious than this, that our acts of charity towards others should be made a part of the worship we owe to God and should be as so many sacred oblations which he is pleased to receive at our hands, taking pleasure in them and willingly accepting them as a sweet and agreeable perfume. Oh, so often you and I were overcome, let's say, in a moment of devotion, and we want to do something amazing for God. And so we're like, oh, I will pray every day, or I'll read this. We want to do something because we want to show God how much we love Him. How often have we thought, I'm going to write a check? And if we do, we immediately think, that's so worldly. But God says, no, He is pleased with that. An incredible act of devotion unto God is writing a check for gospel ministry. And even now, part of your heart is saying, that sounds so worldly, Sean. Don't say that. But it's right there in verse 18. He receives it as worship. What an amazing thought. He accepts them. They please Him. See, salvation by grace is about the whole person. God is not after our lip service. Rather, He is making us a new people by the power of the gospel. And we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And worship is about much more than singing songs. It's about giving our heart unto God. About, gosh, I can't believe it's been 20 years. About 20 years ago, this movie came out named Greedy. You may have remembered this movie. I think he's since, uh, Kirk Douglas started. He's since had a stroke since then. And not so good. Anyway, Kirk Douglas plays Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe is very, very rich. Uncle Joe is getting older, and he wants someone who's going to take care of him. And so he knows taking care of someone who's older, even when there's resources, is difficult. He wants to know who in the family actually loves him. He knows the family wants the money. They come and see him almost every weekend trying to get in good with him so they can get, they can get in the will. But he needs to know who loves me. Who's going to take care of me? So he sets up this elaborate ruse, spends tens of thousands of dollars to fake a bankruptcy. I mean, even gets himself kicked out of his house, moved out of his house by creditors. I mean, it's an incredible ruse. The family abandons him. He starts to act like he's crazy. And one young nephew takes Uncle Joe in, puts Uncle Joe in his apartment. He doesn't like the apartment, so he and his wife actually give up the master bedroom so Uncle Joe will be even more comfortable. Here, you can stay in the master bedroom we're sorry. I know you want your mansion back, Uncle Joe. We just want you to be comfortable. And so he, when Uncle Joe realizes they love me, they are willing to sacrifice for me, he lets him in on the ruse. He becomes the sole heir, and of course they live happily ever after, as Hollywood and our culture would have, because that's what everybody wants is a big uncle to give them a fortune, right? Yeah. But dear Christian, here in that story, very much something that's like our life with God. We can sing songs, we can teach Sunday school, we can lead Bible studies, we can say that we love and trust God, we can lift our hands and worship, we can sing, we can take notes to the sermon, but if we never give our money to support the gospel, if we don't trust God enough to give sacrificially, we do not really love Him. That's what Paul's saying. 
Oh, but when we see that our giving brings pleasure to God, it transforms it from a duty to a joy. And it will make your heart content. Boys and girls, look with me at verse 18. This is pretty heavy stuff. So here's, here's what Paul is saying, if he could say it straight to you. He says, now, about the money. Y'all sent me more than enough to cover my needs. Your gift is real worship unto our God. And your support of the gospel makes God happy. Boys and girls, we can make God happy, Paul says, by giving of our money to support the gospel. I want you to imagine, boys and girls, you have a friend who lives near you in the neighborhood. And and you play after school, or, or maybe this summer you've gotten to know them really well. But all of a sudden you go back to school and... They're not nice to you anymore. They don't want to be around you anymore because they don't want these friends to know that they hang out with someone like you. And so they're not really your friend, are they? They may say they're your friend, but their actions speak louder than their words, don't they? And Paul says that our actions as a Christian speak louder than our words as well. That giving of our money to gospel ministry, that action of worship, speaks louder than our words of worship. What an incredible thought that we can make God happy by having the integrity to say we trust God and then to show it with the thing that's so wrapped up in our heart, our money. That's why Paul is joyful throughout this closing passage of Philippians. Their sacrificial giving shows that they really worship God. He knows that and he will bless them for it. And Paul's so excited that they are going to be blessed by God because gospel support is worship. He sees that they get it. They worship God because they're willing to give sacrificially because when we're on the gospel's team, we worship honestly and we're blessed in God's glorious grace. And so finally, we see the gospel support brings God's blessing. Of all the things in this passage that makes people like us uncomfortable, this is the biggie right here, right? Financial giving does bring God's blessing in your life. It says it. We can't get around it. Look with me at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He says God will supply. God will fulfill. God will satisfy every need we have. They have according to his ability and wealth, not their poverty. Isn't that amazing? Part of being content and resting in God's providence is trusting in him to take care of difficulties. When we give to gospel ministry, we can trust that God will not be in our debt. He will see what we have done, and he will bless us because of it. Now, that does not mean that God promises to give you cash back. That or, or, or to even to replace the cash with even more than what you gave. That's where the TV preachers lie. Okay, no. Scripture promises ample supply from the glory of Jesus Christ himself. So let's work out what Paul's saying here. Okay, what's he saying? He's saying, look, what's the main obstacle we have to giving sacrificially? If we really kind of gut check. It's fear. What if I don't have enough? for whatever, all the what-ifs. It's anxiety, not being content. I don't want to have lack of peace, so if I, if I keep my bills right here, I'll be good. So what's the secret to contentment we learned last week? Being empowered by Christ's strength is the secret to contentment. 
So we put that together. When we give sacrificially, God taps into the heavenly power of the resurrected Jesus. And he gives that into your life. And so you'll have no room for anxiety. What he says is the strength and power and ability. What's promised in verse 13, if you look back, I will tap into that and I will pour that into your life. And so you will not be fearful. You will have complete contentment when you give. He promises to supply the needs of his people with the strength of Christ to deal with financial hardship that may or may not come from sacrificially giving. See, our financial worship of God honors him and he turns around and blesses us because it pleases him. That blessing may be internal commitment or contentment, excuse me, to deal with pressure that sacrificial giving may cause. He may actually move someone to hand you a check. I've had both happen to me, actually, and probably you have too. Regardless, God will not be in your debt, is the promise of this verse. He will supply your needs. Kids, look with me at your verse 19. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, Our happy God will take care of your needs with stuff from heaven. Isn't that a great way to think about it? God's got everything he needs right there in heaven, and he's going to just reach around and grab some of that and say, here you go, got it. You can trust God to take care of you, boys and girls. He rewards those who trust him. Ask God, boys and girls, to help you trust him more, and he will answer that. So after showing them that promise from God, Paul then cannot help but just give praise to God. So he shouts out praise to God in verse 20. And then he says goodbye to this Philippian church, reminding them of the great big church they're a part of all over the Roman Empire. One last little parting shot. Look, you're in unity with that great big church, so you should be in unity with each other. And then his final parting words for them, he leaves them with the hope of the gospel, a reminder of the power of the gospel. We we read this part so fast we miss it. Look with me at verse 22. Here's what he says. He says, all the saints greet you especially those of Caesar's household. You know how the first thing we tend to reply to in an email is usually the last thing said, even if there was a bunch in that email because that's fresh on our mind? That's what Paul just did. He puts right in their mind after all this stuff in Philippians, here's what he leaves in their mind, this hope. Because remember, this letter would be read out loud in one sitting at the church, publicly. And what would stick with them after all that stuff would be there are Christians working in the White House. The gospel they have sacrificially supported is so powerful that even in Nero is the emperor at this time. Even in Nero's household are Christians serving faithfully. What a powerful gospel. There are Christians right there. See, Paul is giving them the profound hope that the imperial might of Rome cannot stand against the might and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they support. Even while Paul is writing from a Roman prison cell, even while the Philippians are having some difficulty with the Roman government, the gospel has claimed people right in the heart of imperial Rome. What hope for this church. And so with that hope ringing in their hearts, Paul ends, look with me at verse 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, The only real question left at this point is this, is, is that grace with your spirit? Is the powerful, glorious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in you? 
Those who are part of Jesus Christ, who are in union with Christ by faith, you are the ones who will experience God taking care of you like this. You, will, you are the ones who will experience God taking care of your needs through the glorious riches of Christ. Are you part of that people? If you have experienced that grace, grow in your contentment by trusting God with your money. Worship Him with your wallet from the heart. If you don't know God as this wonderful, faithful, trustworthy Father that Paul has shown us today, you can. You owe a debt before this holy God because of your sin. You are under His wrath and curse because of that debt, but put your wallet away because this part is absolutely not about the money. Because the gospel is that Jesus Christ volunteered to pay that debt. He came and He lived the life that we all should have lived before a holy God. He then died the death that we should have died for our sins, paying our debt that we owed but the grave could not hold him. And so in his glorious resurrection, he was universally crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And from his vast treasury, he now offers to pay off the debt of all his people. To purchase you back from death. To save you from your sins and to make you part of God's family. That is the incredible promise of the gospel in Philippians. All of that is available to you for free. Simply believe. Confess Jesus Christ as a resurrected Lord. Place your faith and trust in Him and you will be saved. And the wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can be with your spirit as well. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God.